Good morning, Darren. Hey, guys. Good morning. Uh, Darren, a Habs Panthers. Uh, this was from last night. Now it's intercepted by Florida off across his feet. Here come the Panthers shorthanded. Charging to the net. They score! Off the far side, Sam Reinhardt's got his second goal of the night. This one comes shorthanded. So that's uh, 41 on the year uh, for Sam Reinhardt, the mother of all contract year uh, seasons. Look, uh, based in Canada, of course, I watched TSN on the regular. We talked about the Matthews contract forever and the Nylander and the numbers they were going to make. So, Darren, if we can project here, like what kind of number is Sam Reinhardt looking at uh, this offseason? Well, it's a tricky one to project, Simon, because, you know, he's such a perfect fit with the Florida Panthers. Um, You know, you've got the beneficial tax system in Florida, so that helps the player a lot. Um, But there's also an appreciation of his fit. And, uh, you know, he probably doesn't want to rock the boat entirely moving forward. But he deserves to get paid. I mean, (laughs) you know, chances are he's going to score 50 this year with the Florida Panthers and you know he's he's just such an integral part of the success of that team. So there's a willingness from both sides to make sure that whatever the extension is it's fair, but then you do look at the business ledger of of the Florida Panthers and you see like every other cap team there right up against it. So I'm a little reluctant to throw out the number um, because maybe that number on an annual average salary is less than what your everyday 50-goal scorer would get. But it's it's not going to be that much lower. So we'll have to wait and see. But I honestly, even though it, 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 it'll get tricky, it has to, again, because of the cap. But my understanding is that there's a real strong level of comfort between these two sides and a want to get something done. I like that. Now, obviously, we saw the Chris Tanev move happen a couple of days ago, and and everyone in this market is trying to connect the dots. I think one word that a lot of people were comfortable using to describe it was underwhelming in terms of the return. Um, what, do, what do you think that would mean in the hypothetical of a David Savard future transaction? Can we look at the two examples and, and find a common ground there? Well, it's hard not to, Sean. Uh, you know, when when the first defenseman goes, um, you know, defenseman of quality, and Chris Tanev is certainly that, that does basically establish the market. Um, so I know that when Tanev, you know, got dealt to Dallas in that three-way with New Jersey, you know, there was a high level of frustration among some of the other clubs with defensemen in play because they thought that Calgary was going to get more. Um, but I think that's also being a little unfair to the Calgary Flames. You know, that prospect defenseman that they got is, a really good defensive defenseman. That's that's the upside. They think he's going to be a really good defensive defenseman in the National Hockey League, but he's not there yet. Um, and then you, you fast forward to what we saw last night with the Maple Leafs and the Carolina Hurricanes and the Anaheim Ducks. In that three-way trade, really, Labushkin goes from the Ducks ultimately to Toronto uh, for a third-round draft pick, and Carolina gets a sixth. And this one's a curious one because there are people around the league going, why exactly is Carolina helping an Eastern Conference rival in Toronto for a sixth-round draft pick? Like, what is going on? So how does all of that apply to Ken Hughes and, and Savard? And, you know, the Montreal Canadiens convinced that they're, they're going to trade Savard. And I'm not. I don't think they are just yet. But given his level of experience, the pedigree of winning, 
somebody who's going to lure Savard from the Montreal Canadiens, they're going to have to step up. It's not impossible, but what team are we looking at now that is looking to add a defenseman? Because Dallas has done it. Toronto has done it. So, you know, you've got Boston and you've got Tampa Bay where he's won before. So it gets pretty complicated in a hurry. Do you think that, this is what I wanted to ask you before we even got into the David Savard there, 3.5 million into next year. I can't think that's detrimental to any club. That's not a lot of money for a quality player. So the extra yeah. year on on the deal, do you think that would affect anything that the Canadians may be able to move him? Uh, you know this uh, deadline. No, you know what, Simon? It's entirely um, connected to the team that that is displaying the interest. Right? I mean, there are teams that see value in that extra year. But then there are the cap teams um, that look at it. And, and look, it's fashionable to have that, that three-way broker now, right? We've seen it in back-to-back trades. So if you can find a way to encourage the, uh, the, the Montreal Canadiens to retain money, um, and the only way that Ken Hughes, I think, would do that is if he's getting a sweetener to do that. Otherwise, why would he? You know, again, you're, you're not talking about an expiring contract here. You're talking about an important piece of the Montreal Canadiens from a, a leadership perspective, the community on the ice, all of that. Um, but there are teams out there that do like the comfort of having a short term because you're not paying up for a rental. There's some stability in having David Savard for potentially two playoff runs. So I, I know I'm not answering the question as directly as I would like, but that's just the reality of the situation. We don't know who's going to step up at this point on Savard and, and make it worth Kent Hughes and the Montreal Canadiens considering moving him. Anything else? Is there anything simmering that you <laughs> were comfortable talking about just a little bit that, you know, I know we're a week away and, you know, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll be together next Friday to talk and, and set the table up for what's to come that afternoon. But anything you're comfortable yeah. uh, telling us about that maybe you're hearing some whispers on? Well, uh, look, unless we're we're doing the hit early, um, I'm on the air at 8 a.m. Okay, right, right. <laughs> wall to wall yeah, in yeah. studio. Um, so we'll figure it out. We'll make something work. Um, no, just the usual stuff, Sean, around, you know, Hughes and the Canadians. Um, you know, Source Close told me this morning that uh, Jake Allen is likely going to come right down to the wire, and I hope that's the case. That goalie carousel is a curious one for me because – Allen's name has been out there forever. You've got uh, Cockenham with the San Jose Sharks. You know, is New Jersey going to step up again and take another hard run and Jacob Markstrom in the Calgary Flames? It's possible. Not saying it's likely, but it's possible. And there are other goalie pieces that are definitely in play. So I think that the sky is, is the limit. Uh, I don't expect Ken Hughes to make uh, a blockbuster, but I know he's, he's going to be active. Um, you know, will will somebody step up and, and give him what he needs to move Jake Allen? We're going to find out. But again, repeating myself, that'll likely happen next Thursday. Possibly wait till the deadline on Friday. So I guess uh, Jake Council's the biggest name out there, and perhaps maybe Noah Hannafin, two guys that may be on the move. But Jake Council, look, he lands somewhere. Uh, I, yeah. you know, that 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 makes that whatever wherever he lands, he's going to make that club that much better. We should expect him to be moved between now and next week, uh, Darren. I'm not saying that. You can okay. say that. Um, on and look, I mean, there there's a level of probability just given where the Pittsburgh Penguins sit in the standings, but. You know, I, I remain consistent in this. Um, 
you know, Kyle Dubas has made it abundantly clear to the media that it's it's a tricky transition for the Penguins because you've got future fall uh, future Hall of Famers that aren't going anywhere in Crosby and Malkin and Chris Letang and you know obviously throw Eric Carlson in that mix. So you're never going to bottom out with those guys on the ice and take advantage of uh, a, a draft situation. So the best way to manage is transition on the fly. Um, there's always a negotiation. I was reminded by Penguin Source yesterday they have not officially decided whether or not Jake Gensel is in play. Um, they're not shutting down the speculation, Simon, so I'm not trying to be No, no, I get here. it. Yeah. yeah. It's just I think what you have to do if you're Dubas is measure what the level of interest is in Jake Gensel and then whether or not it makes more sense to step up and give him what he needs to avoid free agency. And that that's going to be a tell-all because Jake Gensel is a star in the National Hockey League. To keep Jake Gensel, you're going to have to pay him. He deserves that. And, you know, that gets tricky as well as Kyle Dubas tries to retool things in Pittsburgh. But, you know, again, I, you know, I reported on Edmonton and Vegas, you know, two of the top teams in the West, probably getting ready to go head-to-head in a battle to add a, a top six forward in the next week. And I asked those teams about Gensel, and I'll use the words that I, uh, uh, the message that I got from both those clubs is pipe dream. Hmm. You know, so as much as they could see, every team could see what Jake Gensel would provide, you know, what do you have to do to acquire that piece? And if it means moving off, you know, young roster pieces, then that probably doesn't make sense for any team that's hoping to go deep in the playoffs. Darren, uh, not a not not a terrible, but not a great stretch for the Vancouver Canucks over the last ten games. You're four, five, and one, losers of two in a row. Uh, is there anything that they may want to do to tweak that lineup heading into the postseason? Well, they're they're still trying to add. We know that. You know, they were definitely in on on Chris Tanev before he ended up getting traded uh, to the Dallas Stars. So, are they looking for another right shot uh, defenseman? I mean. That makes sense, but the market is, is thin now, I would say, to a degree. Um, you know, you, you clearly have the speculation around Sean Walker and Philadelphia Flyers. It's still uh, too soon to say what direction that's going to go because I know that Flyers management is also talking extension. So I, I think Vancouver would like to add a defenseman. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, though it's... Uh, and also Phil Kessel's little floating around out there. Always, uh, always piques my interest every once in a while. Uh, thanks, Darren. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you uh, next Wednesday. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have, Have a good a great one. weekend. Thank you, sir. Darren Dreger every Wednesday and Friday at 8.35. Interesting to see what the, the Canucks do, eh? Like, Are you excited for next Friday? Yes. Yeah, me too. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah I love I'm it. a fan of I player movement. Yes. Uh, and it's something that the NHL probably doesn't do at the levels the other, I guess NFL really sucks. Their, uh, their trade deadline just you don't see a lot, but NBA trade deadline the last couple of years has been pretty good, and every couple of years the NHL has a really successful one uh, as well, but I'm a fan of uh, player movement. I look forward to a free agent frenzy. Yeah. I uh, look forward to NHL, NBA, NFL, and every other uh, deadline. I don't understand the baseball window. 
Like there's a trade deadline and, and rule guy, five players. And guys Correct. get moved around. Remember, and, I always when I was younger and yes. I was like, well, the trade deadline's coming. What do you mean the rule five? How did they? What? How did they get Garcia? I don't yeah. understand. How did they get a good pitcher? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Well, how does a good pitcher line up on a good team after the MLB <laughs> trade deadline? Yeah. Never yeah. understood it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then there was that time too. Remember in September where every baseball team got uh, the benefit of an expanded yes, roster. Yes, 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 yes. And then uh, for whatever reason they said, well. That applies, but not north of the of the, of the border. Uh, only on the continental United States. Well, no, I think Toronto was allowed. Oh, were they? Yeah, right. We're, we're, Toronto was allowed. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Looking forward to that Netflix documentary. I'm going to watch it angry. I'm going into that document. I'm not going to get. You know, I'm not getting sentimental. I'm I, not tearing up. I know that I'm going to watch that Netflix documentary on the the last season of the Expos, and I'm going to be very angry. Once I'm done watching you know, it, I can uh, guarantee you that. I said it at the time, and I still feel the same today. Say it. I don't know if I need to see this again. I lived it. I lived it, too. I, yeah. I, I, I was, Especially I, you, Sean. I was working in a professional environment. Post-game shows with Sean with that At that time, right? Live from Olympic Stadium. It was, it was great. Ruined an entire summer of my <laughs> one year. And... I think I would be more as a, as a diehard... Yes, yes. Diehard Expos fan. I, I would be more interested, Simon, in the '94 strike sort strike shortened year, yes, and the players and what went into that, and all the executives I that think, voted for the yeah. strike. I would I would be more interested in reliving '94 than I would reliving the end. I, I, I yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe it's like if. Your daughter's age. How old's your eldest? Sixteen. Okay, so maybe there's something there. What if she, you know, if she was a sports fan, connects with her dad or whatever else, you know, there's a learning lesson there. You're going to learn something about sports history in Montreal that, you know, I I can only teach you so much. We're going to go deep here. Like we lived it, we breathed it. We it's still in my skin. I don't know if I need to. I'm going to watch it, but well, uh, listen, I, I, I'm not excited about it. Like you and I, not all of our listeners, but most of our listeners, we lived the last dance. Right, we lived the last season of the Chicago Bills, but it yeah, was great to yeah, see exactly. it done at a yeah. high level. And I would imagine, uh, you know better than me, Sean. Anything that Netflix touches when it comes to sports, with their uh, F one and the and the golf stuff, it's done at a high level. But I know it's going to be anger. It's going to be. I'm going to start pointing the blame at everybody that have been playing, and then there's going to be more people that I'm going to pay the that are going to blame when it's all said and done. And the, and the strike year, I'm not sure if I want to watch that either, Sean, because I think there would be more anger in that. So it's funny, right? Like, what hurts me more? The season where the Expos uh, season was cut short and they were the best team in baseball, or when the team picked up and moved. The thing when the team picked up and moved, they were a shadow of the team that I loved. Oh, yeah. There there was no rock. Yeah, they were done. There was no. No, uh, they literally walked out with the cardboard cutouts of players, you know? And it wasn't a good squad. No. Like, you know, when I envisioned my Expos, it was, you know, Dawson. But no, I mean, I was. Carter, and then the, the later generation yep. of the 94 squad. So we'll there's see. Serge Touchette, um, Randy Teeman, um, Stephanie Miles, the Montreal Gazette. Give your boy Gabe Morenzi a shout-out, too. I don't know. Was he there at that point? You never did post games with him? No, I did hockey. Oh. I did oh, hockey. Did hockey. Sorry, okay. Yeah. I, I thought you were Morenzi and I were the first ever post Canadians post-game show hosts on this radio station. Very nice. And uh, one time, Morenzi and I used to go to the games all the time. Uh-huh. And so we used to see the old play-by-play guy on CJAD 800 at the time was Dino Sisto. And Dino was so jealous that our post-game show was crushing his. 
And he's like, he'd see me in the hot dog lines and sarcastically chirp at me. He's like, hey, thanks for doing me a favor. I don't have to do the post game because no one calls anymore because they were all calling us. Good stuff. <laughs> it was great. Good stuff. I loved, I loved. Yeah, we had so much fun, so uh, much fun in the early days doing I, that show. I say it all the time and people think I'm lying. I love post game shows. It's one of my, it's from the time I was a child and was allowed to have a radio in my room and listen yeah, yeah. to it for as long as I wanted. I was always been a fan of uh, it's it's the heartbeat of the city. The, it's it's the, the immediate the, reaction from the, the fan. The half-ass right? fan is not calling the post game show. Yeah. The half-ass fan once the broadcast was done <laughs> yes. or they're done watching it on television, exactly. they're done. They're or even on. the guy or even the you know the people that leave the game. Yes. They, maybe they just drop three or four bills. And uh, the Canadians lose three nothing. Man, they want to sound off, and you yes. have every right. Yes. It is your democratic right as a fan to call the post game show and just bitch and complain about Anderson didn't score, didn't even have a shot on goal. You know what I mean? That is the David that is the Dernay's heart. doing nothing out there. Why is David Darnay? That is the heart. That is the heart and soul. Of course, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love it. Simon Salinas and Sean Starr. This is the morning show on TSN six ninety.